if you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. We're beginning a new series on this podcast, focused on the Eucharist. Now, we first introduced it in the last episode, which was episode 36, because the bishops of the United States are concerned that American Catholics have a, well, an inconsistent and incoherent understanding and practice of the Eucharist. And so they've asked parishes, dioceses, and Catholic ministries to spend the next three years teaching about and guiding people into a deeper and more faithful relationship with the Sacrament of Holy Communion. So, on and off over the next few months, I'll be releasing a series of episodes that explain and explore the Eucharist. My goal is to offer those who listen a deeper appreciation of this amazing gift and to equip them with the tools to share that understanding with others. So, let's get started by defining our terminology. What exactly is the Eucharist? And why is it called the Eucharist? Well, the Eucharist is the sacrament celebrated in every Catholic Mass in which bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and the instrumentality of the priest. The Catholic Church teaches that the bread and wine are not merely symbols for Christ's body and blood. Instead, the whole Christ is truly present body, blood, soul, and divinity, under the appearances of bread and wine. The glorified Christ who rose from the dead is there with us and for us in union, communion with us. This is what the church means when she speaks of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Now, how is that possible? How does that even work? We'll tackle those questions in a future episode of this series. But for now, let's just note that the term Eucharist in English originates from the Greek word Eucharistia, meaning thanksgiving. Because when we celebrate the sacrament of the Eucharist, we give thanks not only for his sacrificial death, but his resurrection and union with us in the church through this sacrament. Okay. Now for today's question. Why is the Eucharist such a big deal in the Catholic Church? For Protestants in general, and evangelical Protestants in particular, it's more of a a medium-sized deal. Not nearly as big a deal as it is for Catholics, and not at the center of their faith as it is in Catholicism. So why exactly is the Eucharist so important? within Catholicism. You know, I've been reflecting on this for many years. I spent most of my adult life on a journey from secularism into mainline Protestantism, 
then through that into non-denominational evangelicalism, and finally into Catholicism. And as I traveled down that road that led to Roman Catholicism, I knew that the Eucharist was a, a very big deal in the Catholic faith. To be honest, Eucharistic theology or practice isn't what started me down that road or really drove me down it initially. You cannot approach Catholicism without coming to terms with just how central it is within the Catholic faith and the Catholic Church. And for a long time, that puzzled me because I had a Protestant understanding of it and I assigned a a Protestant level of value to it, which meant that it was important, but not central to my faith as it is to Catholics. The evangelical Protestants around me didn't, and frankly, most still don't, get it, why it was such a big deal. Let me share a little anecdote to illustrate the point. So sometime in the early 2000s, I was working on a presentation to share at a conference with some leadership teams of contemporary megachurches. Now, most of the attendees would be the leaders of the church's building and fundraising committees that were developing strategic plans for how to expand their church campuses. So I built a slide deck, a PowerPoint presentation, and a handout book to go with the presentation. And and I wanted some images that would illustrate all of the dimensions of ministry that they needed to consider as they formed their strategic visions. So, for example, I had a stock photo of a contemporary worship band and a stock photo of a family smiling as the kids were dropped off in the children's area at a church and a, and a stock photo of a teaching pastor holding a Bible in one hand and gesturing with the other in front of the big screen. And then I included a stock photo of a communion tray, a, a Protestant communion tray with a little ceramic jug of wine and an earthen goblet and these, these little loaves that look like dinner rolls. So anyway, a few days before the conference, I did a dry run of the presentation before a little focus group of contemporary church folks. And I asked them, you know, what did they think of the PowerPoint deck and, and the handout book? And do you know what three people asked? Why do you have a picture of potatoes in your slides? And I thought, what are you talking about? And a few others looked and made faces like they didn't know why I had a photo of potatoes in a presentation about church buildings. So I'm standing there in front of this focus group, and I, and I finally figured it out, and I backed up to that slide. You mean this? And they're like, yeah. Well, and, I, and I'm like, that's communion. That's a stock photo of the bread and the wine. And they looked at me like they didn't get it. Because the only time they had ever had communion, which wasn't very often, it was little wafers and individual cups and these little trays that got passed down an aisle. See, the Eucharist just wasn't a central operative concept within their experience of the church. So, if you're not Catholic, the significance that Catholics place on it is puzzling. But based on those surveys that we mentioned in the previous episode, a good many, maybe even most American Catholics, are puzzled by it as well. They know that the Eucharist is a big deal and that you get to take First Communion and that it happens in every Mass, but they they don't necessarily get why. 
many don't know the church's teaching or they don't accept what they do know of it or, or as the bishops and the pope put it, they lack coherence in their practice of it. So why does it matter so much? Why is it so central to the Catholic faith? My journey into the church was a process of gradually wrapping my own head around this. And once I did, it took me a while to figure out how to explain it to others. So after all of that, I've come to think of the difference between the Protestant and the Catholic approaches to the Eucharist as, well, as sort of like the difference between means and ends. Protestants in general, and evangelical Protestants in particular, see communion as a means or, or perhaps an effect of faith. Catholics, on the other hand, see it as both the cause and the end or the goal of faith. So, let's unpack the contrast between these two perspectives. But before I do a quick aside... I'm getting tired of saying, and well, you're probably getting tired of hearing me say, traditional Protestants and evangelical Protestants. Because the reality is that there is no single Protestant theology. In practical terms, Protestant today just means any Christian denomination that's not Catholic or a Greek Orthodox and is less than 500 years old. But when it comes to sacramental theology— There are roughly two halves to the Protestant world. First, there are the mainline denominations that trace their theology back to the early Protestant reformers in the early 1500s, so Lutherans and Calvinists, for example. Now, those first reformers broke with the sacramental theology of Rome, but the break wasn't as severe or the gap quite as wide as it would become three or four centuries later. Because by the late 19th and early 20th century, a whole new flavor of Protestantism arose, primarily in England and the United States. These were the evangelical Protestants. Now, I don't have time to unpack evangelicalism here, but suffice it to say that it de-emphasized sacramental theology even more than the traditional Protestant denominations had. Evangelical Protestantism has become the form of Christianity that most Americans are familiar with. And so, as we make distinctions between Catholic and American Protestant understandings of the Eucharist, I'm just going to call the Protestant position evangelicalism. Okay, so for evangelicals, the Eucharist, or communion as they call it, is a means, not an end, to faith. Let me explain the evangelical mind this way. If you were to ask a typical, devout, Bible-believing American evangelical which few Bible verses they would consider foundational to the Christian faith, they would probably mention verses like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Or Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Or Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which they call the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
You see, the center of evangelicalism is grace given through faith alone. In evangelical spirituality, the emphasis is on belief and getting others to believe. Baptism is given greater priority than communion because A, Jesus mentions it exclusively in the Great Commission, and B, it's the entry point into the kingdom of grace when a person expresses their saving faith. For evangelicals, communion is a sacrament, but in practice it's almost a secondary sacrament. After all, Jesus specifically commanded us to go into all nations making disciples and baptizing them, right? He didn't say go into all nations serving communion. And in evangelicalism, baptism is the joyful expression of someone who has made a conscious decision to accept Christ as the Lord and Savior. In evangelicalism, communion is about remembering the death of Christ. In a traditional Protestant church, the communion table is off to the side because the pulpit is central, and the table is called the table of remembrance. Communion is celebrated once a month, perhaps, or more likely, a few times a year. It's a time to solemnly recall that Jesus sacrificed himself for us, and that if we believe that he did, then we'll be forgiven of all of our sins, past, present, and future and will enjoy eternal life. And so communion in evangelicalism is framed as knowing and remembering and believing. And that's why I say that it's seen as a, as a means to faith, which is what in their mind actually saves us. Or, or it's an effect of faith. You see, those who have been saved by faith will occasionally recall what saved them. And therefore, it reinforces the tendency of evangelicalism to make, well, I'll actually say to reduce Christianity to merely faith, which, according to Hebrews, is belief and hope in eternal life. But in ancient Christianity, which has been preserved in Catholicism or Greek Orthodoxy, salvation is based on faith, of course, but that faith is manifested incarnationally and sacramentally. But because contemporary evangelicalism is driven by and towards a a guarantee of eternal life, which is secured by making a decision of faith for Christ, the sacraments are positioned either as a means towards the end of saving faith or, or maybe a byproduct of it. I'm guessing that right about now, you might be thinking that you downloaded this podcast to hear what Catholicism teaches about the Eucharist, so why am I spending so much time explaining the evangelical Protestant understanding of it? Well, for two reasons. First, I want you to see the contrast with Catholicism's position, because that makes the Catholic position more clear. And second, sadly, perhaps half the Catholics in America actually have an evangelical, not a genuinely Catholic, understanding of the Eucharist. As I shared in some earlier episodes, every reputable survey on the topic shows that most baptized Catholics in the United States, and perhaps a third, maybe as much as a half, of mass-going Catholics, see the Eucharist as primarily a symbol of and expression of faith. How did that happen? 
Well, evangelicalism is the default Christian worldview in the United States. It's the, the spiritual backdrop. It's, it's in the air. And because the church hasn't done solid and consistent catechesis on this topic for the last 50 or 60 years, too many Catholics have absorbed this evangelical understanding that's in the atmosphere around them by osmosis. And that's why the bishops in the United States have launched this three-year campaign of Eucharistic revival. Okay, so how is this different from the Catholic understanding of the Eucharist? Well, in Catholicism, the Eucharist is not a means or a byproduct of saving faith. It's something like the end, uh, the goal, or, or in some senses, even the cause of saving faith. Look, of course the Catholic Church affirms John 3.16 and Ephesians 2.8 and Matthew 28.19 and 20, the verses I read earlier. I mean, the Catholic Church assembled and authorized the New Testament books. We believe in saving faith by grace, that believing in the Lord Jesus Christ brings us eternal life. And we not only believe, but have been busy for 20 centuries going into all nations, making disciples and baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. But here's the question. To what end? What is the purpose, the goal, the reward of belief and discipleship and the, uh, the Christian life? Eternal life, yes, but... But what does eternal life consist of other than being alive forever? Well, it's aimed at union, or maybe more specifically, reunion with God. Particularly, it's aimed at union with God in Christ. So if we come to know, believe, and obey, then we will be united with the Lord Jesus Christ in an intimate and existential way. My Bible-believing and Bible-first evangelical friends rightly remember and recite John 3.16 that I shared earlier, you know, for the God so loved the world that he gave his own and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But that's not the whole of John's gospel. And if all of scripture is God-breathed, then so is the rest of the gospel of John. So, I would say to them, let's not confine ourselves just to chapter 3, verse 16. Let's look, for example, at John chapter 15. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So, Connection, union with Christ is the goal of the Christian life, but in a sense also its source, because the fruit grows from its union with the vine, but it's also the end or the goal of life to bear fruit through this connection. Or let's consider John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, there, Jesus explicitly says that eternal life consists of knowing, in the sense of deep relationship with, God in Christ. And, and that is individual, of course, but communal for the church, the entire body of Christ. 
In John 17, verses 20 through 21, Jesus says, I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So you see, union with the triune God is the point, the purpose, and the propelling force in our salvation as the church. Catholicism, of course, preaches and teaches, but so that we can be united in communion with Christ and through him as the cornerstone of the church with each other. It was the fall, Adam and Eve's fall, that broke that fellowship. And the purpose of Christ's incarnation, death, and resurrection is to restore it, even elevate it. The mission of the church is not to do mission for its own sake, not to get people to believe for belief's sake, but to believe so that we can be restored to communion with God and each other. So, what does that have to do with the sacrament of the Eucharist? Well, let's look at another passage from the Gospel of John in chapter 6. I'll do a deeper dive into John 6 later in the series, but for now, consider verses 53 through 57. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. And so, the Eucharist, as the sacrament in which we directly and physically eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, the bread of life and the blood that washes us clean, is the starting point and the finish line of the Christian life. It is the starting point because we could not have faith without believing and receiving the sacrifice of Christ. And it is the finish line because it is a foretaste, an appetizer, if you will, of the eternal communion that we will enjoy with the Holy Trinity through the Son, who is Christ Jesus. And this brings us to the official doctrine of the Catholic Church regarding the role of the Eucharist in our lives. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is a compendium of the Church's teachings, tells us in paragraphs 1324 through 27, if you're taking notes, that, and this is a longer passage, so I'm going to read it all, quote, The Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. The other sacraments, and indeed all ecclesiastical ministries and works of the apostolate, are bound up with the Eucharist and are oriented toward it. For in the Blessed Eucharist is contained the whole spiritual good of the Church, namely, Christ Himself, our Easter sacrifice. 
The Eucharist is the efficacious sign and sublime cause of that communion in the divine life and that unity of the people of God by which the church is kept in being. It is the culmination both of God's actions sanctifying the world in Christ and of the worship men offer to Christ and through him to the Father in the Holy Spirit. Finally, by the Eucharistic celebration, we already unite ourselves with the heavenly liturgy and anticipate eternal life when God will be all in all. In brief, the Eucharist is the sum and summary of our faith. Our way of thinking is attuned to the Eucharist, and the Eucharist in turn confirms our way of thinking. Unquote. And there it is, the answer to today's question. Why is the Eucharist so important to Catholics? Because it is, as the Catechism just shared with us, the source and summit, the sum and summary of the Christian life. It doesn't get more important than that. To wrap this episode up, let me just make two observations. First, there is tremendous comfort in this understanding of the Eucharist. When I was an evangelical, despite all of our talk about salvation by faith without works, there was a, well, there was a lot of work involved in it. There was mental work. I had to believe and keep believing without doubting, or my salvation might not stick. There was emotional work. I had to not only love Jesus, feel loving feelings towards Jesus all the time, or my salvation might not be real. It might not stick. There was missionary work. I had to share my faith, spread the gospel, support missions, go on mission trips if I could, because that was, well, that was our purpose. That was the purpose of the church. In reality, there was a lot of doing and not much being. But when I came to understand that the Eucharist is the source and summit, the sum and summary of the Christian life, it allowed me to focus on being in Christ rather than doing for Christ. And that is not only a great comfort, it, well, it feels more biblical. I want to know and rest in him. And the faith and power to do that comes from knowing and resting and giving thanks for the gift of himself in the Holy Eucharist. And second, because the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life, it's a serious matter to miss it or misunderstand it or misuse it. And that's the Eucharistic crisis which prompted the bishops of America to call for this three-year Eucharistic revival. And so, to do my part, I'm going to dedicate a series of episodes, on and off over the next several months, to encouraging increased participation, understanding, and coherence of practice for everyone who listens to this podcast. And if you know anyone who would benefit from these lessons, please share them. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, 
then visit consideringcatholicism.com and email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.